Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurred. That's a um, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. everybody welcome to a brand new episode of minority corner y'all one of my old prom dates is back on the show which one well it's leah eden that's which one and y'all since last time she was on the show almost a year ago she's been busy she done had a baby and we talk about the realities of parental leave or lack thereof here in the united states but first the r kelly trial it's a happening and it is a lot to unpack we watched HBO's The White Lotus, and while it starts a really great conversation, it really only ends up scratching at the surface. Does white hubris in the writer's room strike again? Speaking of white hubris, the Pray Away documentary on Netflix dives into conversion therapy, and we discuss how it skyrocketed and the horrifying facts and figures surrounding conversion therapy and how it is rebranded and still in existence today. Oh yes, it is all this and so much more on a brand new episode of Minority Corner happening right now. So it's time to learn, laugh, and play. Let's go. Well, this is just so perfect. The kids are going back to school. Who better? Well, some of them, depending on... I don't know what's going on. I don't have kids. Um, you soon will be having a kid that will need to be going away, but to school. I. But Leah... Welcome back to the show. Thank you. You just to catch everybody up. The last time you were on the show, it was revealed we went to high school together, and you were also my senior prom date. Not to be confused, my freshman, sophomore, junior prom prom date. Because your boy went to the proms. Your boy went to all the junior senior proms. <laughs> always got ass. I am in so many women's photos. They like so this gay man is just you know in so many, many ladies' photos. You're like flocking right now like probably to the stage. Yes. and how many dads were so concerned and little did they know nothing to be worried about not oh a thing here you are welcome back to the show Thank anything you. interesting happened to you since you were last here oh you know just a little you know human came out of me just a little mm-hmm. a little boy a little baby boy you you have a a pandemic lovato baby or yeah a pandemic anderson a panda rosa C. baby there you Band- go <laughs> generation well, will see what happens to them because they can't see anyone yeah i yep mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were bored and yep. uh out came baby out i get came it a baby yep that well congratulations i can't wait to see the little one i know uncle jamesy i can't i just uncle- really can't wait for that photo op. <laughs> yeah, the, i can see it already Oh, yeah, absolutely. That'll I'm collecting be, yeah. photos of him with future leaders and, like, <gasps> celebrities, and you're definitely going to be on there. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take it. I will take it, absolutely. So, I there's so many things that are happening, I don't even know where to start, so let's just go in deep. Um, that seems a little awkward where we're heading. So, the R. Kelly trial is happening. Are you keeping up with... It's a lot. I was trying to, like, because I, like... 
I was trying to keep up with like there's uh, daily court reportings that are coming out, and these court reporters I've never read daily court reports before ever and i decided to start with this one or just like reporters who sit there and their job is to really take like copious notes and they're literally like oh and then he said this and then she said this and then this happened and they're like long i love a little smart small little article that's like two or three paragraphs because it ever happens when you like start reading an article you don't realize how long it is it doesn't say like how long it is and you start and you think like oh i'll be done in no time and Five minutes go by, and you're like, oh, I'm still reading this article. And then, like, 15 minutes, you're like, oh, my God, I am still. And then at that point, you're so committed into it. It's like when you eat a burrito past the point when you, like, you should have stopped, like, you know, halfway through. But you're like, oh, I can just keep going. And then you're like, well, why am I going to stop at this right. point? Exactly. You're like, I'm in too deep. I'm in too deep. Mm-hmm. I'm in too deep. So, so some, of, some of these folks. Have you been up to date on any of the R. Kelly trial? It was one of those things... Let's flashback. When Finding Neverland came out and also his documentary dropped. Oh, yeah. I had just watched mm-hmm. Finding Neverland and I was going to watch that next. And it was just like too much for me to absorb all oh, at once. Okay. And then I never went mm-hmm. back to it. But I've been reading the articles oh. and the coverage here and there. Yeah. the I did both. I did the R. Kelly, um, R. Kelly documentary. What was the name of that one? It was Surviving R. Kelly. Yes. Yeah, surviving um. R. Kelly. <laughs> Literally. It was... I yeah that one was real it was it was a lot and again that one was you know and it was this story these you know these black women who are just so often you know their stories are not not heard and and not believed and listen like I just am also like some I am of the fact of 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 the mindset that if you want to keep listening to R Kelly music or Michael Jackson music that's fine but I do encourage people to like listen to the full stories of it I would say is like is is because. Like, I guess my thing that I come up against is a lot of people who are just like, I'm not watching that Michael Jackson documentary and I'm going to keep listening to his music. I just would encourage people to just get the full story of it because and and, and then take what it is. Take what it is. Take maybe you watch it and you're still like, you know, no, I don't I don't believe it. But I still think like, you know, we were back in school. We were always taught to like listen to multiple sources and get different viewpoints and things like that. Um so I definitely did both, but I definitely le- left thinking like I don't trust a pop star because they're gonna get me. I was like, if I will not take a picture with one of them, because the next thing you know, they're gonna be, put me in this sex cult. I know. But, you know. Crazy, crazy. Like I feel. Uh, yeah, I don't want to get off course, but like in the Finding Neverland. <laughs> Welcome to Minority Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you see the grown men breaking down, like to me, what stuck with me is when one of the victims starts talking about him having a child and how that brought up all the feelings because oh, she was seeing Wade. how innocent his child was. Yeah. I yeah. lost it. I was like, yeah. oh my God. Like, mm, if this is fake, yeah. he yeah. needs an Academy Award. <laughs> well, and it just goes back to, for one, just the t- statistics on people who lie against sexual assault and specifically men, it just isn't there. Um, it's very challenging for men to come forward. New information in the R. Kelly trials that there's also a man, a young man who was also sexually assaulted. And then again, going back to Oprah's book, Hurt People Hurt People. When you look at the Whitney Houston documentary, you realize that she was also, you know, sexually assaulted. Um, you know, probably with R. Kelly, same situation that ha- something happened. And even with Michael Jackson, like there just are these like p- these behaviors don't come out of nowhere and i'm always sort of sympathetic to how these folks how their 
origin stories and, and go down down this pathway. And so I'm able to hold a little bit of heart space and, and compassion, not like I'm going to, you know, go eat cake with them or something like that. But I, I see where it's coming from. And I'm not necessarily out to vilify people, but it's like, let's get everything out in the light so we can, you know, light is the best, you know, disinfectant. I did think it was very interesting that one of the, oh, I forgot her name, but one of the women who gave testimony in the R. Kelly trial, she was in the, uh, you want to say Robin Givens? There's too many Robins. Robin King, Gail King, Gail yeah, King. Oprah's oh man, I was way off. Um, oh, yeah, Oprah's friend. No, is that her? No, no, no. Is her last name King? Oh, do it again. No, it is Gail King. It no, is. I'm just it's saying, her... like, I don't want to call her just Oprah's friend because she does have. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. She has her own career. identity. She doesn't she have does. to have Oprah associated. She, you know, she's no like you know Kelly, Roland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know Beyonce's cousin, <laughs> the sister friend. You know, that's who, yeah. So she's no Kelly Roland. She has the she has Gail quite can a stand on her own stuff. two feet. She can. She's hosting that morning CBS show, doing her thing. And I love me. And what I love is that Gail and Oprah interview from two different tactics. They both will go in because Oprah had, you know, are you were you silent or silent? Like Oprah will cut to it. But Oprah comes at it from like a heart space where she's like, let me get to the good good from a heart space. Gail's just like a hardcore journalism, like mm -hmm. unfazed. Remember when R. Kelly was like yelling at her and popping off and she was just unfazed. She was like, Robert, Robert, if you. Okay, <laughs> Robert, when you're done. Was it Snoop Dogg? Done. Well, it was also, there was that one girl who wore that, who was like, uh, she attacked a young black oh, man. Oh my God. Yes. yes. She had attacked that young black man who, like, she was like, he stole my phone. And she attacked that young black man, this rich girl from Florida, I believe, if memory serves me correct, attacked this young black man because uh, she thought he stole her phone. Her phone was in some lift. And because she clearly, clearly comes from money, she was doing, like, a, an apology tour, sat down with Gail, and wore some sort of hat that was, like, daddy's girl, something that was just, like, not appropriate for an interview. And she was trying to like come for Gail, and Gail was just like, "Girl, remember that lawyer? That poor lawyer. That's that stuck in the was middle. Like, please, please don't say this to Gail King. Please, please stop. <laughs> you don't. I wanted her to blink three times that she was okay. She was just like so stoic, just like sitting there in the you, dumpster fire, wait, waiting for the check to clear. Just waiting for that check to clear. I hope that money was worth it, lawyer lady. Oh God." But, uh, oh, but, so in that same interview where R. Kelly was, like, wiling out, and also, too, like, whoever, <laughs> I don't know, what is that old saying that, like, thou doth protest too much? Too much? Like, that's the Shakespeare, look yes. you. Yeah. Um, so clearly that was going on with Robert. And, uh, <laughs> oh, shit, some other scandal that came out that apparently uh, that he married Aaliyah in order to get her an abortion. That's what had happened. Because she was underage. Yes. It's all coming back to me. I read all these all this all these court daily court recordings. Flushed it out of my head. Yes, he um allegedly it came out and a lot of the people who enabled this to happen, they're like, we knew it was wrong. We knew that this shouldn't, you know, have ha had happened. And he was like in Aaliyah, Aaliyah's life since she was like twelve years old. So, it's oh. Creepy. Yeah. So, but he got her, and then they paid when they went down to the courthouse. Had paid somebody at the courthouse like five hundred dollars to falsify documents because she was underage. It should have like never happened. And only a legal guardian 
could get her an abortion, I guess, were in the state where they were, so, uh, or a spouse. I I have questions looking at that article, one of the articles, just who is the nephew? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that his protege he was grooming to be, like, a mini, like, I don't know his name, Lester, but just, like, a mini predator? Like, I don't, predator like, what, who is the nephew? The right word, yeah. So there was, uh, in the article, they kept referring, one of the articles or one of the court reportings is, is that one of the women, he, like, forced her to, like, have, like, I guess like yeah I don't know who this nephew kid was but that's what they were referencing him as you know the nephew and that so it makes me think how many people are involved, involved. in this like it well, goes deep Leah that's the thing is that this has been going on for decades so you have just enabling and that's what it goes through and I think that's why you have people like R. Kelly or any of these you know men who yes and and they're so upset because they got caught and people are telling them no for the first time he literally was able to like pee on women and get women to like, you know, leave their entire families. Like their families would, you know, like they he would just pretty much take these women off to his compound or whatnot and make them like in in in, in this cult like atmosphere. And the only way someone can all this shit can happen is that people just look the other way and enable it. There was that one girl who said that like he like came on her face and made her keep it there. And then his assistant came in and they had a full on conversation and just laughed and giggled. That assistant. A con conversation. I was like, oh no. <laughs> For a conversation. But. Like, yeah, didn't he say something like, leave it till it hardens? Yes. I was like, what a fucking dick. So you have all that. So you have all these people who were just so complacent. Anyways, I, I just, you know, if you're watching or listening to the R. Kelly trial, uh, I'm sorry. That's how we started the show. This is, you know, something though. I want to. I. Uh, I. You haven't finished it, and it, which means maybe some of our listeners haven't as well. But I, is part of the zeitgeist that's happening right now. The White Lotus. I. I. I easily think in a weekend of doing like things around the house, had it on the background, and like devoured that there is there's another series too that's called nine perfect strangers that's on hulu which i also would recommend they're both kind of similar in some ways but not where like white the white lotus it's 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 pretty much focusing on like rich white people going to hawaii and and that experience right and um well what are your thoughts on it so far um on HBO Max. Yeah, I definitely... It's funny. You're an episode yeah, away from finish, right, finishing. The finish line. Yeah. So it's interesting because I have like almost like a visceral reaction. I'm sorry, I cannot pull up Mom Brain, his um, name right now. But you know the newlywed couple? The oh, husband? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like absolutely. the mini, mm-hmm. like episode yeah. one, he came on the scene. I literally have like a visceral reaction to him. Just like his whole vibe. Just like the way that he... Which I think is what you're yeah, supposed to have. Probably you're supposed to him. have for him. He's yeah. and also I just think I think it's well written in the way that you can tell like everyone who's there is kind of like in it for themselves, like almost very egotistical. Like you have Stifler's mom who, you know what I mean, wants to help. Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> Say her See, name. This is my second impression with you, Gail King. Stifler's no. mom. Oh my I'm gosh. sorry, I forget everyone's name. Stifler's mom, that is I Jennifer love her. Is I love, a love, treasure. love her. She's finally getting her roses. 
This is the best role that she has ever had. And it's written by Mike White. He's this white gay guy, white gay man. Uh, he was on Survivor, Amazing Race. And um, I, he wrote her an amazing, amazing part. She plays a terrible garbage person. I feel like that's a lot of the theme of this show is like, look at white people being terrible, right? Um, and and I, I was really impressed that like this, and it, I feel like, it's it's white people commenting on how terrible rich oh, yeah. white liberal people can be, um, and and then you've got Natasha Rothwell from um, Insecure yeah, who's also on it. She's doing really really amazing amazing work, and just how I don't know just like where the conversation really is. I will say by the end of and then the, even like being in there in Hawaii, like it's a dark comedy. And being on on the island of Hawaii, they even talk about just sort of, like, the colonialism of the whole entire aspect of it. Of, like, you know, again, Hawaii, the the native folks of Hawaii never gave over, like, like they still were a sovereign nation. They never signed any treaties. It was just completely just taken over. Um, I I do not feel like we should just really return it back to them and everybody get the fuck out. Like, or, you know start paying them like just give them back th- their land and whatnot and so i i don't want to spoil anything for you because you're almost at the end i'm totally fine i will still watch it you could do it all all i will say is that it doesn't it scratches the surface of the conversation that it starts it starts a really great conversation i felt about you know white people and colonialism and 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 different issues like that and it's like and it doesn't it just scratches the surface of it and it's still very much through the white lens and then kind of find out it's so interesting because i feel like mike white the writer of it accidentally wrote uh a, a series that was having some really good conversations and there was a few flags for me for for him because i'm like wow this is really great because even um one of the girls uh sydney sweeney who uh plays olivia in it she's like the young the daughter of um mm-hmm. She's from Euphoria. Too, oh, right? that's what it, yeah. What it, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in Euphoria. That's what I meant. She's in Euphoria. Um, and so she plays Connie Britton, who's fabulous, plays Connie Britton's daughter in it. And then uh Steve Zan back from the nineties, right? Oh my gosh. He was like a I have to say, I was like pleasantly surprised to see him. I was he's like, back, back playing a dad now. He did a great and job. He did a good job. Yes. But yeah. so she plays her daughter, and then she there is um her best friend who is uh you know bipoc ambiguously ethnic like i always round up i'm like oh she black like and maybe that's just because always trying to claim i just always round up and maybe it's just old archaic rules the one the one drop okay you're black and that's just the rules that society has placed Mm -hmm. i will say there's some colorism that is happening there there was an article that talked about how especially for like younger black girls when they are cast like even the new gossip girl it's like three light-skinned black black girls i didn't notice that too for yeah, yeah. And even like you know in charmed there's like all these shows where even in like euphoria like all these great shows um and so like even then it was like i was noticing the colorism in there but like okay there's this you know she's black the show starts to pivot more on her instead of the the white girl and i thought that was really interesting but then if you watch the hbo max like behind the yeah. scenes thing uh, Mike White, the writer, director, producer, which I want to put a pin in that and circle back to it. He goes like, yeah, he's like, yeah, this is the episode where we, you know, pivot over to the sidekick character. We never go to the sidekick characters. And it just felt like, oh, that's how you view. That's how you view us. 
like he was more of like a as a writer thinking oh, no. oh it'll be interesting to explore the sidekick and i was just like fuck that's how white people view us they're like oh you know that's my the, the, like yeah. as sidekicks and that's why we continuously get written as sidekicks and then the other thing that i, I want to say is that like you know none of the people of color really get not necessarily justice but like it's they're we still like are like their plot lines just become devices for the white people to experience not changing almost it's like they get close to something that could cause them to change by having this interaction with a person of color whether it's that it's like an exotic bird they're like Ooh. yeah and, and then we as the, the the viewers are like oh wow they're having this interaction maybe this thing will have an effect on them and change them and then no and i think on one end the show does kind of talk about how people don't really change people go on vacation they feel like they have all these amazing experiences and they don't really change right so i feel like there is sort of that but the other thing is that, like, what I realize is, like, the show scratches the surface of some really great conversation, and Mike White refused to have a writer's room. And I thought that was so interesting because when you look at shows that have, were so successful, like The Watchmen, um, I believe even, like, you know, Lovecraft Country had a writer's room, um, but, like, especially The Watchmen had a, a writer's room, and it shows. Um, and it's so rich, of different perspectives and history um and it crosses its t's and dots its eyes and it's pure perfection and they had you uh, the, uh, uh i think david lindenberg um who came from like lost he said that they would had some really great amazing sometimes heated conversations and that's and 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 through, through doing that work and it i was like oh that's what was missing from the white lotus is like the benefits of having a writer's room because if you want to tell these stories like there should have been um, like a Hawaiian or a Polynesian, you know, writer in there. There should have been a black person. There should have been, you know, just more people to help fill up that space. And I just think like, wow, like even, you know, Mike White being this white gay man, but he, the hubris to think I can tell this full story and just really kind of keep it from his perspective and what he's learned in this past year since his awakening of Black Lives Matter. So just letting you know, it will have a letdown where you feel like they're having these really great conversations you will not feel in the end. Oh, like it's going to feel, it's a great, I enjoyed the show. I look forward to season two. I hope that oh, it gets, it's going to be a season two. Is oh yeah. They want to do it as an anthology. So it'll be a whole new, uh, it's a whole new, it'll yeah. be a whole new resort. Whole it's new like American horror story, Hawaiian edition, but it won't, I don't even know if it'll be in the same location. And so, oh, okay. yeah, again, I love, I, I loved it. I thought it was great, but it just literally just hits the iceberg and it's like, Oh, white people, Y'all don't need to do it all. You can't do it all. You know, it's interesting you say that there wasn't a writer's room because I feel like it also showed in that conversation they had at the dinner table mm. when he when Steve Zahn was like, oh, well, are we not supposed to do anything anymore or, like, say what we think? And I was like, oh, again, visceral reaction. And he has this moment where he's like, I used to be the good guy. Like, I, because he is this white liberal guy, right? Mm -hmm. And that the benchmark got moved and there's almost this, like, well, I used to be the good guy. Like, how am I the bad guy now? Uh. yeah exactly it was like really cringe, 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 cringe. Yep. and just yeah so and but i will say i do love who's that hottie kai Ugh. man bun uh his name is uh kyoko kyoka kekumano oh yeah. he is so hot and so sexy and just drool more of him more of him. I feel like 
Yeah, I wish that I felt like so like I knew the minute he went. Well, I'm gonna say the spoiler. He went in to like take the bracelets. I was like, she shouldn't. She didn't set him up, but I was like, he followed bad advice. Oh, like, I just had a feeling. Yeah, I don't I was know like, why did know, I, he look so innocent? Why didn't homegirl so get off the boat when she realized oh, that my, Connie Britton him. and Steve Zan were going back to the room? Your brilliant plan is falling apart, and she just sat there on the boat. And I was like, girl, like this is. Mm-mm. Why did she not text him? I do not. Oh, I didn't even think about it. that. Just send him a text. Hey, heads up. But I have no like, idea. Just use a code. Be like, the bird is in the net. It's, Something. It's so frustrating. It was one of those scenes that I had to press pause. Like when things get too intense on television, when I'm just like, oh, God, this is so awkward. I can't handle it. Especially like people of color in danger. I can't handle it. Oh, no. So I, I, know. To, I press pause. I did, you know, wash some you dishes. I had to take a breather. I do that when things get yeah. too intense for me. I'm just like, it took me two hours to finish, two and a half hours to finish A Quiet Place, which, you know, oh. not a great movie if you're black. The second one, you know. Black oh, movie. the second one, the sequel. No, no, yeah, no. I mean, I feel like it did a good job. I don't know if this is intention or not, but, like, my feelings on Hawaii, I love it. It's beautiful. Like, but I also feel like it's a place that a lot of Americans go to to feel like they're exotic or they're somewhere far away, but still the safety of America. Yes. And I feel like Hawaii is marketed in that way to appeal to that kind of traveler. 100%. And I do think that the show it was finally commenting on that. Cause like I, the same thing, like, I'm like, wow, this is like kind of awkward. These, you know, rich white people are going to this Island and the, they actually, which I will give that the show props on that end. Like it was having conversations that shows think about how many movies they just go to Hawaii and da, 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 they never talk about. It's usually just like props of like, Oh look, they're dancing. Isn't that great? But this show was actually commenting and having conversations and they had Kai yeah. who was talking about like, yeah, this used to be my people's land. And now like, you know, all I can do is work at this hotel mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we can barely, you know, make ends meet. And you know, on uh, that sense. So again, I think there's some great conversations that were happening. It just scratched the surface. Get a writer's room, Mike White. Get a mm-hmm. writer's room. Don't be a, don't do the opposite of what your white male privilege is telling you to do. Don't think you can do it all. You don't have to. We're here to help. We're we're here. To help. You got great ideas. And no one's asking and, you to. No, no one's asking you yeah. to. Like you, he's, no one's asking. And you know who's doing an amazing job in that too is Molly Shannon. Oh yeah, she's she is really great in that. She's, she crushed yeah, it. Really great, amazing. So. All right, well, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we get back, I watched a documentary called Pray Away, which got me thinking further about gay conversion therapy. So we're going to dive into that after the break. If you're serious about cooking, you should invest in your kitchen tools. Maiden's cookware and kitchenware products are used by thousands of the world's best chefs. Maiden sources the finest materials and partnered with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without those markup prices. I have to say, I have some brand new set of Maiden wine glasses and my friend was over and she kind of bougie and black and that's why I love her. But, and I knew I put out these wine glasses and let me tell you, they caught her eye. She was like, ooh, look at these wine glasses. Oh, these are nice. And I was like, I know, they're made in. And she's like, what? So you too can impress your bougie and black friends with your own made in wine glasses. And they have so much more, uh, but I really do love my wine glasses. It's my first set of wine glass set, really coming into my own as an adult, feeling fabulous. Sometimes I drink champagne out of it. What? 
what? I can do what I want. They're my made-in glasses, and you can do what you want with them, too, because they're yours. And they have all kinds of different things. You can be on wine glasses. They have all kinds of things for your kitchen. Knives that are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and they stay sharp. Cookware, things for the oven, stovetop, you name it. They have over 32,000 five-star reviews with their products, which you know that is pretty amazing. And their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants. So right now, Made In is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with promo code MINORITY. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. That's right. Right here for you all, our listeners, go into madeincookware.com slash minority and use promo code minority to get your 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash minority. Use promo code minority. If you're sick of constantly arguing with the people closest to you about topics that really aren't going to change the world, we're here to take that stress off of your shoulders. We take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal. That's right, Hal. If you have a subjective question that you want answered objectively once and for all time for all of the people of the world, questions like, who's the best Disney villain, Mac or PC, or should you put ketchup on a hot dog? That's why we're here. Yes, I get that these are the biggest questions of our time. And we're often joined by special guests like Nathan Fillion, Orlando Jones, and Paget Brewster. So let Mark and Hal take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal, weekly on Maximum Fun. Don't you pray it away. Get conversion therapy. It's not good. Spoiler. I like where you went with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't uh, not a fan. This will, this will uh, uh, surprise no one. I'm not a fan of gay conversion therapy. Not at all. So there is I want to talk about today is uh, conversion therapy. I saw a documentary pray, pray away on Netflix um, and want to talk about how it is still wreaking havoc on people's lives today. I think it's this idea that like, okay, that'll that'll go away. We understand. Uh uh-uh. uh. It is crafty. It's like this virus. It's coming back. Oh, no. Or cockroach or Trump. It's just still still lingering in. Still lingering in. So conversion therapy, what is it? Maybe you're like, I'm just waking up from a fifty year old coma. I've not <laughs> heard my question. Like, oh my god, welcome. Like No writer. No yeah. <laughs> well, stay away from Fox News first and foremost. Um, because you'll be terrified. Uh, get conver- conversion therapy is first of all, it's it's a discredited practice. We'll just start there, and its aim is to a discredited practice. So really, you should just be like, oh, okay, we'll walk away. But it aims to convert a person's sexual orientation or gender identity to heterosexual or cisgender. So really, trying to get them to be something that they just are completely not. Um, it's like you know when you try to force a triangle into a square peg. It's not going to be a good result. It's just not. It's like when you were trying to make a bunny be a turtle. It's just not. That's not. No good result will come of that. It just will not. It is often, sometimes it is often connected to religious organizations, uh, oftentimes. And uh, major major U.S. medical groups have condemned the practice. And more than 20 states have banned it from being done on minors. 
Which I also ask, like, why is it done to anyone at all? But I guess, you know, if you're an adult, you can make these decisions. But I just feel like they are harmful for anyone, um, for everybody. There's a certain things that, like, doesn't matter if you're an adult or a young person. You can't do. You can't do to yourself or other people. I saw the trailer to this, and obviously I didn't watch it yet, but... I saw that some of the couples mm. also were like touting like the benefits of conversion therapy. Like, do some people like believe it up until they stay? Like, without any spoilers or oh yeah, we'll get into that. Well, I think I know exactly the couple that you're talking about. And spoiler, they're not. They're they're like oh we're straight. And then most of the documentary, which we'll talk about in a moment, but it really follows people who started uh, this movement and are back to being their gay selves again because it's not a light switch that you can just turn on or off and if you're kind of listening and thinking you know and i seriously if like you know does it work i the, i went to the trevor project and they had an honest question they're like does it work and the answer is no no it does not it is an outdated and false notion that being lgbtq is a mental illness and that it, it could be cured or should be cu cured um and, and that, you know, all major medical associations all agree that LGBTQ identities is just a normal variant of human nature. If you're watching Loki, you've heard the phrase variant before. You just know that variants are just a thing that happens. We're just, it's just, it's just, it's just a natural thing. Like someone's eyes being blue, someone being tall. It's just biological variants and i encourage you to go back into our archives and listen to uh our gay animals episode where i talk about the statistics of different animals that have high gay populations like giraffes i think it's something wild it's been a long time and like like 96 93 percent of uh giraffe sex is gay sex it's something very high it's they have a they have a lot of gay sex um so penguins it's up there animals be doing it for themselves <laughs> they do the uh and the american psychiatric association has not treated homosexuality as a mental illness since 1973 and also we talked about here on the podcast before that a lot of homophobia really came up during the lavender scare as part of a tactic um against quote-unquote communism so that's where a lot of homophobia really starts to rear its ugly head up. And being transgender is no longer treated as a mental illness since gender identity disorder was removed from psychological diagnostic manuals in, guess what year? No way. I'm sorry. Again, I claim mom brain. Oh, bless your heart, Leah. I thought you were doing 2013. So recently. Oh, no. I thought you were going to say it was recently, like our birth year. You're like 85. Recently. Gone. 85 during the Reagan years? I think not. I think not. Not on Nancy Reagan's watch. <laughs> not on Nancy Reagan's watch. <laughs> I was blessed that you have like, this ideological ideological thought that like, oh, you know, it was a long time ago. People were turning the beat around. We came into the scene our year. And we were like, get this out of here. No, they held down for as long as they could. So talking about the documentary Prayer Way, as Leah and I were just mentioning. Um, so it centers specifically on Exodus International, which is one of the largest and main evangelical gay conversion programs. It ran amok for 30 fucking years. So even in our lifetime, it was doing some mess. Um, and it's weird because when you watch that documentary, you, I had flashes and remnants of seeing 
people who were part of this as speakers on, you know, you know, um, news programs or on Jerry Springer, like just all these different, they've been so much in our life and leading these charges. And it began as a, just a simple Bible study group between five gay men who wish to help to relieve themselves of their homosexual oh, lifestyle no. and their semen. When I watch these things, I'm just like, y'all were doing so much like, what like a masochistic place to be in you're like oh gosh we got to get rid of our gay tendencies we better go into this bunker with all these men and like feel bad about yourself because you probably are going to be fooling around uh geez and you see these huge conventions and just like oh my god y'all are just on your knees not praying (laughs) sucking dick (laughs) but shortly after its inception in the 70s the group received 25,000 letters from LGBTQ people asking for help, which is so sad. Like, I understand where that comes from. And it led to Exodus International to rapidly grow to be one of the largest gay conversion therapy programs in the world. And so the documentary, as I was saying, focuses on folks who started the group uh, and who have since left. Okay, these were the people who fucking started it. And they're like, look, we're we're former gays. We used to be in the gay lifestyle. Fast forward 10, 20 years or whatever. They're like, oh, no, I'm sorry. We're gay. Oh, God, we fucked everything up. Why did we start this? We're sorry. So wild, right? Like, and so they also in the documentary, Exodus co-founder Michael uh, Bousset is featured in it. Um, And there's also folks uh, who were kids who were who went through it to and they um, went through the program. And then they were groomed to be leaders and speakers in it. Like there was, um, I think I have it here, um, this one lesbian activist. Um, and it follows her story. She's about to actually get married now. And she talks about just how, yeah, like she was pretty much used through this program. And one time she was, you know, sexually assaulted by a man. And she was told as she was still processing this, they were like, oh, yeah, you should use that story and like your testimonial now of like how like, you know, this was almost uh, a thing that was going to set you back. And now you're still and she's just like forced to keep, you know, being this, you know, puppet, this this, this train, train and seal to to tell these stories. And these people who are literally looking for like love and help and connection. And one of the main subjects of the film, his name is Randy Thomas, former Exodus executive vice president. This guy like was like rose to the ranks of the organization um he was a local leader he was also a lobbyist as well who was lobbying on behalf of the group for anti-lgbtq plus legislation nationwide so thank you for that like just doing the devil's work right just out there in these streets making and probably like we're still feeling the ramifications for the work that some of these folks have still did heavily involved in and what finally woke him up, it wasn't until a friend of his, who was also part of the ex-gay movement, uh, committed suicide. And then he reevaluated everything. You know, he said that it crushed him to know that this ideology that they both were part of and lived by, that he'd been promoting, had killed his friend. It's like he, he basically made this infrastructure that just totally... Yeah drag someone down like their whole life oh and not just him the numbers of suicide 
of people who go through this program are astounding. And he talks about how it's it's kind of cultish. So, you know, we got to talk about the cult is <laughs> here because you and I are obsessed. Nixium anyone? Like, stop making Nixium. Leah was like, can we happen. talk about the other Nixium documentary? I'm like, Leah, we talked about Nixium enough what? the last time. <laughs> they are coming out with a season two. Um apparently the vow season two is supposed to they're like yeah it's supposed to be a sequel a sequel i know where's india uh, she's fine she's uh, she's I, hers was a good I one suckered oh, you oh, see you're getting me in you're getting me in got me with that cult talk but he talked about how it's very cultish and i think like he, he talks about how it started off small just going to these meetings at church and and in then the they basement, had you said what you said in the basement because it was like these gays and artists so they couldn't have them like you know around the main room so they like like you know, lure them down in there into the basement and like so they, but it's people who like have this faith this like faith and they you know and 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 so it's preying upon that and then they go down to the basement and they're kind of slyly told that like oh you know you've got to get rid of this part of you it's a sin you know, it's a sin and, and, and you're around these other people who you believe and you trust and they prey upon this insecurity that you already have because you're living in this world that is already kind of like we hate gay people and you're trying to like navigate through that. You already have this insecurity and it's these people who are searching for acceptance for their families, the world, their higher power and they're preyed upon on that. And that's what really so breaks my heart, especially when it's like, you know, these folks who really do believe um, in, in, in their religious practice and their connection to their higher power. And it's being leveraged because someone is interpreting something based on their own fear and their own insecurity. And because they're probably sucking dick in the bushes last is night. Is it just like self-hate? Like it was like one of those things like where probably they're like, oh, something's wrong with you. And they're like, oh, I need to fix myself. Yeah. I, at first I was going to say, wow, I don't think that it, but I guess that what it, it, it's what it is. There is that it's, but it's that fear and that, that I, I think it, I think it goes even further than self-hate. Cause I always think that fear is that step further than hate. And that's what it is. It's just that fear. People are terrified of going yeah. to hell. It's, that's absolutely terrifying. And so, and then on top of that, you're then, in this community that is there to support you and love you. And that's what people at the end of the day want. They want love. They want to feel safe. They want to feel connected. And you're getting that. And he talks about how, you know, the better you do in this program, AKA the less dicks you suck, then, and the more you talk about like, Ooh, I've not sucked a dick in so long. Or, Ooh, I've not, I've not sucked a dick in so long. Right. And everyone's like, Oh my God, this is so great. Look at you. You've seen the light. And so that's also intoxicating. Right. And so that's why a lot of these people who started getting doing interviews and, and so they're getting this praise from it and you're getting on the cover of magazines, you're doing interviews. And so it's sort of this sort of self-perpetuating sort of beast and they have to keep feeding the machine. But the pressure that that must put on them because they're having to go against something that is completely against who they are and what they do, you know? Yeah, I, I, completely unnatural. I'm just trying to think. It's like if I were have to, if I was getting praised to like cross my eyes all the time, and I had to like keep that up, or like I walk backwards and cross my eyes. <laughs> I had to keep like up I this... walk on all fours backwards. <laughs> I did it once drunk at a party. I have to keep this up, otherwise I'm not getting on Jenny Jones or on the cover of People. Like that's you know. <laughs> well, the thing that shocks me the most about this whole thing is that it was started by people in the LGBTQ community oh 100% yes I thought it was maybe like someone who was you know straight within the congregation like 
I'm gonna trade you. Like I thought it was like this whole this whole story I made in my head. I was like, it has to be that. Well, and then you're totally dispelling it. It was the people that helped really push it to prominence, at least that are featured in this documentary. Um, I'm not saying there probably was a straight person down there in the basement who could have started it, but at least in this documentary, just, like, stirring the pot. he could have started it and lured them down there. But again, it's like you're preying on people's insecurities. But many of the people, but m- many of the people, and this makes sense. Even if you're a straight person, you start this. You're luring all these queer people down to your basement. I don't know if they were always in a basement, but we'll just go there. <laughs> just the visual alone. Like, I I'm mean, this is literally a Hansel and Gretel story. Like these witches. I'm just seeing like rainbow flags, like yes. little breadcrumbs. Like <laughs> that's literally this is it. This is the new Hansel Gretel. This you know witch. Um, this warlock. Um, I don't want to put a bad name on that. I think that witch was misrepresented. Who knows? She probably just spoke up during meetings. Yes. She was a diabetic and she was just like, okay, let me make my house out of my sugar because I can't have it. And then these kids came chomping at the bits. She was probably just an independent woman who was like, I'm not going to, you know, get married. Like, she's a witch. She's like, I'm going to go out into these woods. Y'all too much for me. So I agree. Wolves call it this warlock because you know it was probably some man. Warlock. Who was probably gay. Um, And so, yes. So. So, so I, I, but the people who are going to be the main drivers of this program are the people who are these ex-gays, aka gay people, because there's no such thing. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It really was, you know, it's, 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 it was queer people doing harm to other queer people. But I don't blame them because it's hard. It's look at the world that we're in. I understand what it was that they were looking for, or trying to do, or try to get. You know, I understand. I understand. Like you said, the acceptance and like and the pra- like, like all of the it. The praise, like that thing that you were hungry for and looking for anyways, and now you're you're getting it. Um yeah. there's also John Polk who he was featured in the documentary. He's like the poster child of ex gay success. Uh he was one that he would appear on talk shows, magazines. When you watch him, you're like, Oh, I've seen him on like episodes of mm-hmm. like these talk shows and stuff like that. Him and his then wife were both claiming to be like they were like we both used oh, to be gay and we're now unquote. married. And that was their their huge uh, thing. Um, and that they had overcome their same-sex attraction through faith, their marriage, and their children. Well, now John is living uh, openly gay with his partner. Um, and mm-hmm. he talks about, like, regret and that, you know, this deceit nearly killed him. And um, his ex-wife, she's still, quote-unquote, ex-gay, straight. Um, she refused. Oh, she's still claiming it. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. Yeah. Um, she's still making, you'll see her on Fox News. And then there was e- Yvette Cantu Schneider. She's featured in the documentary. She's a bisexual activist. She had friends who, when she was out in the 80s, her friends, she had friends that were dying of AIDS during the AIDS pandemic. And I think the trauma of that sent her into the other direction. She was like, oh, okay. Because I can't even imagine that time period. It's a lot that you're experiencing, and it's a trauma. And for her, she was like, okay, this is like, you know, a sinful life. Let me try to save people in this other direction. So she joined the organization. But then, and she she really talks about her um, having a hand in working with the Family Research Council. And in 2008, their fear, she was working with them with their uh, fear-mongering campaign to pass Proposition 8 to ban gay marriage in oh, California. Wow. Yeah. I'll never forget that election because on the one end, we just elected Barack Obama. And then the other end, Proposition 8 was passed. It was very disconcerting. Like for my intersectional identity, it was a very, uh, and 
I don't remember fully being able to celebrate that day, which is very unfortunate. Yeah, it's crazy because I had a friend who um, his mother just never really accepted him being out. And she lived in Utah and had a bunch of friends in Utah calling people in California. So I think yes. that had like yeah. so many people from out oh, yeah. of state having a vested in. It was just crazy. It's like you like you said, maybe it's coming from a place of fear, not hate, but like. You're so fearful of people that you are going to, from out of state, call and basically push people to vote a certain. It's just well, they all they. I mean, California will always be. We kind of take it for granted, but we can't because Republicans will always have their eyes on California. Because if you can turn California, it makes it seem. And what we're essentially trying to do with Texas, if I'm completely honest. Um, but like you know, they're trying to you know with this whole entire recall election and you know. Yeah, and so it's like because if you can get a very popular governor out, a very popular Democratic progressive governor out, then that will send shockwaves and fear towards the rest of like you know people who are maybe middle of the road Democrat in Congress and Senate, um, and it'll just will create fear that they're like, oh, I can't vote a, a certain way. It's a mess, and so that's what they did. And Cal- they're like, oh, if we can stop gay marriage from happening in California. Then we can do it anywhere. But uh, so talking about the documentary even more and specifically that, you know, this documentary touches on that Exodus International has pretty much affected the lives of nearly 700,000 people in the U.S. Um, It was, according to the Trevor Project, in a 2020 national survey on LGBTQ youth uh, mental health, 10% 10% of LGBTQ youth reported undergoing conversion th- conversion therapy, with 78% rec- reporting it occurred when they were under the age of 18, and people who go through conversion therapy are twice as likely to commit suicide. And to be exact, researchers at San Francisco State University found that in 2018, the rates of attempted suicide among LGBTQ youth more than doubled when their parents tried to change their sexual orientation um, and increase even more when therapists and religious leaders also attempt to change young people's uh, sexual orientation. And then more than they, in this group of people, you've gone through conversion therapy, you will be 2.5 times more likely to report on multiple suicide attempts in, in, in one in, in the, in the past year. So Clearly, this shit is harmful, and it makes sense. You're trying to force people to be something that they're not, and then when they fail or they can't, they think that there's something wrong with them, and they can't live up to this idea of who they think that they're trying that they they can be. It's killing people. I just don't understand. At the end of the day, if you're doing the, those facts and those statistics, woof. We gotta stop. That's enough. That should show you. Who's I don't know whose God it is that would w- allow people to think that you would do something that'd be so fucking harmful to people. Yeah. Can you imagine like if you gave that statistic on like you know like if you ate this food like this percentage of people would die and then like oh no pull it from the shelves yes tomorrow yes absolutely people if you were to say people who eat this food are twice as more likely to commit suicide you'd be like oh we're not doing that anymore right that's done yeah. People who, you know, buy these jeans are twice as likely to commit suicide. Okay, that's enough of that. We're not we're not wearing those anymore, right? That would be that would be that. 
Um, and here's the other thing, too, that they, they talk about in the documentary is that oftentimes folks who come to these groups are also suffering from other issues. They have mental health challenges, depression, anxiety, addiction, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, abuse, sometimes sexual abuse, um, other suicidal ideations. So they come to this group. These people are not trained professionals to handle people who are going through those sort of experiences and issues. These people are just snake oil salesmen and they're not licensed professional. They're not equipped to help people who need to process or deal with those issues at all. And on top of that, these people are have all these other external issues and they're also queer in the straight ass world. So it's, it's no wonder it's the same thing like in, in these cults too. When you see people having to go through, they're like, you know, tell us all your sad secrets and go through, you know, this, I don't know, the, or not even the collateral. What's the thing where they have to do like a – it's like a therapy session in front of everybody. Oh, the EMs. I forgot what the, the – EMs the or whatever. Or yeah. even, mm -hmm. even Scientology has their thing. And what happens is people go through – they relive this trauma with an un, with a with someone who's not a professional. And they're left just so out and raw. And then the key is to keep doing more of that. I mean, you just bury yourself further and further into the, these programs. Um, so, yes. Um yeah, and then the other thing, too, the documentary touches on is that this movement, quote-unquote, the ex-gay movement, really just became a political football that the right jumped on and used it to fear-monger and get votes. Like, they really didn't give that much of a fuck, but they decided to make it part of their platform because they realized it was a divisive issue and that it could win them votes. So, again, all these people who are, you know, changing their own identity and or, or killing themselves just for political gains yeah i can't believe that it's so like did you say that it's having a resurgence right now or that it's just kind of always been there thank you for getting me to the next yes so a, a lot of people might be thinking like well these are dying out so exodus no longer exists phew but you know a hydra you cut off this you cut off the one head and another one grows and I think it's just like with a lot of these sort of conservative ideas that we can constantly think are going to just be, oh, they'll they'll go away. You got, we have to be very, they're not unless we snuff them out. It's like a fire. You have to snuff it out to the very last ember and then just keep an eye on it and make sure it gonna come back. And then you got to make sure ain't nobody coming else walking around with matches because they might try to light it up again. Right. So you just have to always be vigilant. They've rebranded, so um, and they've they've retent. They don't call themselves conversion therapies. They have many names. They might be gender critical therapy, reparative therapy, ex gay ministries, sexual orientation and gender identity change efforts. Um, and sometimes they don't even brand themselves as that at all. It can be very confusing, even on on social media. You might see some of their their pages. Um, in the documentary, they feature one of these uh, folks. Um, and what's really what's really frustrating they adopt language from various types of uh civil rights discourse and even the lgbtq rights movement it's very confusing because you go to they host rallies and marches and they'll use a rainbow flag and it's very millennial driven and one of the folks who's the one of the new leaders his uh name is jeffrey mccall he's uh they say that they lived the their whole entire spiel or what they're doing on the documentary, they said that they, they lived as a trans woman until they newly found religious devotion um, and convinced them 
and were convinced to only be on a path towards Christ, which meant that they needed to be lived towards their biological gender and renounce the quote-unquote LGBTQ lifestyle. So the documentary also features them and follows them, and it's just very heartbreaking because, I don't know, this is a very queer-ass individual that I see before me, and then you see the pictures of them being their true self as a woman, and they're really beautiful and amazing and wonderful, and there's actually just a sadness that you see inside of them, but they're building this community. They're getting, again, this praise and adoration, and I really believe in their heart that they probably think that they're doing the right things, and it's just so heartbreaking because the no good will come out of this for themselves or anybody else who's following them. And they're leading the charge. They're organizing gatherings, prayers, rallies, marches. And you that looks like I'm like, oh, that looks like a pride parade. Oh, it's not because what they're saying is just it's completely. So it's like, whoa, not. Yep. And you got to be careful on social media. They might it might seem and then you'll start to be indoctrinated into this unhealthy conversation that they are are, spe- are are spouting and um it's just very heartbreaking because i'm like and then everybody that's going to these things like i'm like y'all are very queer i feel i i know a queer person when i see it and not just generalize but sometimes you know all right you, you queer as fuck um and sometimes they're not queer as fuck looking but you know what then they still queer so you just really you never never really know and so all this is say that this isn't going away. So we can't fool ourselves in thinking that, you know, oh, when the older generation dies, but about no, 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 no. We all have work to do. Stop trying to go to sleep, y'all. Like, stop acting like there isn't still work to do. Even like, and we'll talk about this on a different show, but have you ever heard of Prager U? P-R-A-G-E-R-U. It is essentially really I, I don't know if it's far right conservatism but it's very right conservatism and these little videos on youtube and they have a website and it's very like millennial like it's it's very it's very wild and people are being indoctrinated into these things about like who really needs critical race theory or like they're just trying to take your no, rights away and, just and like the videos are snappy they're very cute snappy millennial gen z type videos and it's geared towards gen z actually it's very horrifying and so these generation z folks are being indoctrinated into this mess and so it's not it's so they're not utilizing social media as like the new weapon basically to 100%. weaponize all of these conservative and, thought processes yes. wow and using the language of the oppressed to do it because they're now using viewing the themselves tactics, as the oppressed it. yes and and really using these civil right freedom of speech and you know, you're, they're trying to take your rights away and your freedoms. Um, it's so funny. This happened to me over the weekend because I was going under this little overpass and there's people, you know, protesting. And usually I honk when I see it because it's usually a liberal <laughs> issue. It was in the East Bay of Berkeley. So I see a poster and it says, my body, my choice. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. It. And then I look again it's and then it's like all this anti-vax like recall propaganda and i'm like what they took the slogan oh god appropriated it yes for their conservative agenda they will have you thinking that they are the most oppressed if aliens were to drop in right now they'd be like oh my god we have to free the oppressed white man they're the most oppressed group because they've done full circle They've done such a great job of just telling that story about how they've co-opted our language, our struggle. And we're not even, it's be one thing if we had like reached the mountaintop 
or the promised land we're not even there yet like we've maybe moved an inch or two and they're just like oh i'm oppressed like they're they're doing too much they move too far i'm like sir i have just got out of my seat and i take two steps and like that's too much you're taking over my space you're like uh you have all of that (sighs) so i also was thinking about this too i think it's so interesting it's like when you think about people who care about who other people's who the fuck cares i think fearing about homosexuality or anything about queerness who the fuck cares i really can't wrap my head around it like it'd be like someone it's literally like hating someone who has blue eyes it's like all of this shit i just get so frustrated it's all made up even race and setting a caste system based on the color of skin it'd be like if we made a caste system based on height Right. Or saying like, oh, God, you know, all those short people like, you know, or all those tall people, they're crazy. Don't trust them. And they're like lazy and like we got to kill them all or like they don't, you know, get any rights or anything like that. Get out of other people's fucking business. Yeah. Like don't who the fuck cares? That's what I just I don't I have no more words than that. Who the fuck cares? And. I'm like, are these like repressed feelings? Like, I don't understand where the stems from. Yeah, I don't. That's and I think that's what it comes down to. Is it like, yeah, like, is it something that's so. And that's what it comes down to is fear. It comes down to that there's something so fearful inside of these folks um, that they just are are, are, are wilding out, for lack of a, a better word. And I was watching this documentary, and I just kept thinking, I was like, oh, my God, thank God I came out in college. Thank God I came out in college. I think my parents are very well-meaning and loving people, and I think sometimes the most well-meaning – I think some of these parents who put their kids in these these camps or these programs are very well-meaning, but their own fears – or are, are, are taken over and I get it. You don't want, you know, anything bad to happen to your kids or, you know, want them to, you know, especially eighties, nineties, HIV AIDS was so prominent and, you know, attacks and things like that. But I just think like, man, I was in such a safe environment to come out um, in college and in the experience that I, I that I had. And my, my heart just really breaks for, for folks who are not able to, to find their, their place. And I know there's people who are kids who are listening to this right now who maybe we are your outlet like you know you just hold on there is nothing wrong with you you are great you are beautiful go, go west that's my <laughs> go advice west. or go like you could go northeast but i don't i mean come west i leah's right just go west just yeah just go west just uh go around the fire you'll be fine and um i mean do want to warn you yeah fire resistant clothing go west <laughs> Purifiers. And in news that I want to wrap up with in this is that a federal judge, this happened today in Tacoma, rejected an effort to block Washington state's law banning conversion therapy on minors on uh, um, recently. So uh, again, yeah, that's my question was just legislation about this, too. Like, it seems like it should be. It should. There should be a federal ban on conversion therapy on minors. At least there should be. There absolutely should be. Um, but, and just recently in Washington, people were trying to, uh, turn, turn the ban around and a federal judge was like, go, go the fuck away, go do something else. Like this is, stop wasting my time. And the measure was signed into law in 2018 and it bans licensed therapists from trying to change a minor sexual orientation. Uh, um, it was challenged by a, a licensed marriage and family therapist. So you got to check people's receipts and credentials just cause they're like, I'm a family therapist. Mm, we need to. Oh. 
Yeah. You know, Dr. Phil School of Therapy. Exactly. That's where I went. And so that's where they went. That's where they went. The law deems it unprofessional conduct for a licensed healthcare provider to perform conversion therapy on a patient under the age of 18. And there are at least 20 states plus the District of Columbia that have laws or regulations banning conversion therapy for LGBTQ minors. But that means there is still 30 states that do allow for this. So there's your homework. Does your state have uh is it can is is conversion therapy still allowed in your state if so you gotta turn that beat around we gotta get this we gotta get this changed there's some work to do meanwhile on this same day in finland parliament of finland is considering a total ban on conversion therapy because it's bad surprise i heard the times i well, they're fe- they have like an all female parliament. Like the all the heads of their parliament are, are women. Their prime minister, I believe, is a, is a woman. They're just doing it right. They ended homelessness in Finland because they just gave everybody a house. I mean, that's surprise shocker. That's how you do it. That's yeah. And the EU also has condemned conversion therapy in its policies, and Malta also banned it in two thousand sixteen. So. All that to say, there's still work to be done. Uh, Roll up those sleeves, get to work. It's estimated that 80,000 LGBTQ youth will experience um, the unprofessional conduct of conversion therapy um, in the next couple of years, and it's still legal in 30 states. So still work to be done. And I do want to close with, if you are thinking about suicide, you deserve immediate help. You can call the Trevor Lifeline at 866 488 7386. We'll also link it in the show notes. Um, again, you deserve help. You need to talk to somebody. There's nothing wrong with you. It is everyone else. It is literally not you. It's them. Soylent, the original food tech company, makes delicious and nutritious nutrition products in convenient formulas. Now, the folks at Soylent, they don't think that, you know, Soylent should replace all of your meals, but it can be helpful for when you just don't have time to cook, or maybe you had an entire bottle of wine the night before, and you're just like, oh, I don't really feel like eating anything, but I need, I need some nutrients. That maybe happened to a friend of mine. Okay, it happened. So there are two that I have tried that I've really enjoyed. The Soylent Complete Meal, which is a convenient ready-to-drink shake. Uh, It has 20 grams of plant protein, 39 essential nutrients, healthy fats. Uh, It's just really great stuff. Everything you need in a bottle. I've been so busy this past week uh, that almost I forgot to eat a couple of times. And I was like, oh, let me just get a little. Let me whip out this Soylent here. And bada boom, bada bang. I had what I needed in my stomach. And I've also enjoyed on certain mornings where I just don't have time to I get my protein shake, or sometimes actually I'll put it actually in my protein shake or my smoothie. Actually, I'll replace this with my oatmeal. Um, I use the Complete Energy, and it's not a typical energy drink. It's got B vitamins, caffeine, a bunch of other things. I can't. I'm not a scientist. I can't read these ingredients, but I've seen them on different things before. They're they're real uh, ingredients. I swear, Alpha GPC plus 15 grams of plant-based protein and 39 essential nutrients so again just really great uh it's helped me get out of bed in the morning and times when i just wasn't able to cook and i just really don't have time nor do i want to and ordering out can be expensive sometimes and uh you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day and uh it's not good to skip meals so i've been very grateful to have 
Stoyland's on hand. So you can give it a try. Go to Stoyland.com slash minority and use code minority to get 20% off your first order. That's Stoyland.com slash minority, code minority for 20% off your first order. Since the dawn of time, screenwriters have taken months to craft their stories. But now, three Hollywood professionals shall attempt the impossible. Break a story in one hour. That's right. Here on Story Break, I, Freddie Wong, Matt Arnold, and Will Campos, the creators behind award-winning shows like Video Game High School, have one hour to turn a humble idea into an awesome movie. Now, an awesome movie starts with an awesome title. I chose The Billionaire's Marriage Valley. Mine was Christmas Pregnant Paradise. <laughs> okay, next we need a protagonist. So I've heard Wario best described as libertarian, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, every great movie needs a stellar pitch. In order to get to heaven, sometimes you got to raise a little hell. <laughs> That's the tagline! Check out Story Break every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, Leah, it's your corner. It's your, it's your corner, Leah. Leah's corner. It's your own corner. It's my very well, own corner. Well, as one of the uh, original founders of the name Minority Corner, you can literally have a corner here anytime. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So... I feel like something that's top of mind for me right now as a new mom is talking about um, leave, like when you're on maternity, because it was a whole new world for me to navigate. And I'm sure for a lot of people it is too. And I know my experience, you know, is coming from a place of privilege because I did have healthcare. So I will start there. So, and also I have a job mm-hmm. where I can work from home. That's another place of privilege. So I know not everyone has that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, this is also California. So some of the rules that happen here are definitely not going to happen everywhere, but I can only just speak Mm -hmm. from my experience and, you know, little tips that I learned along the way that I would advise other people to maybe look into. So I I just found out this fact today when it comes to maternity leave today, only 21% of us workers have access to paid family leave through their employers, even though according to the Pew research in 2015, both parents work full time and almost half all two parent families. That is crazy. And that's, and I think, you know, I was, I was talking to James in the beginning of the show. Like, I think what's really interesting is that, you know, I'm lucky that I work for a progressive company, but there's a lot of places that, you know, they really treat maternity like a vacation. It's like, Oh, okay. You have like, you know, a paid vacation to take care of this new human. And I think what a lot of people don't acknowledge is in addition to taking care of a new, you know, little bundle of joy, you're also physically going through so many changes, right? Like your body has spent the last nine months or like, if you're like me, Mm -hmm. I gave birth two months early, you know, which also throws your body into, I had a C-section, so that's a major surgery and... Mm. and mentally it's funny i was listening to this ted talk the other day um i think i'm gonna mispronounce it i think it's molescence which is almost talking about the time after you give birth is almost like an adolescence because you have all the hormones and you're going through so many life Mm. changes and this woman was saying that all that happens to a lot of women is they get diagnosed with postpartum but she would talk to a lot of them and they would tell them you know tell her about their symptoms and she's like this is not postpartum like you're just going through a change of life with all these changes in hormones. And so that's another area where people kind of get pigeonholed, right? Women do where it's oh. like, uh, yeah, you're hysterical. Like, oh, well, you're just being crazy. <laughs> and I just watched the movie. I don't know if you saw it, False Positive. 
And even though it was kind of like a, yeah, a horror man. movie, there was a lot of subtle themes in that that really rung true for me because it was talking also about in the workplace a little bit. You know, the minute she gave her notice, like she was treated mm. differently, which happens in a lot of places. So I cannot stress enough if you are able to work for a progressive company, look at their policies, look at how they treat yeah. women like that is first and foremost. Um, I think when if you can um, go yeah. into it, uh, the average maternity leave length. I uh, can be anywhere from six weeks to three months. That six weeks is shocking and startling to to me. Um, I guess it looks like the Family and Medical Leave Act allows workers to take up to 12 weeks in a 12-month period, which I always think is like, I mean, we were talking about this. I'm like, both parents need six months off, at least. You need six months off. Because like, honestly, too, I don't, if you're my, Leah, I love you. If you're, I, I have a company. Let's pretend like I'm running my company in Jane's Enterprises. Boop, bop, boop, doop, bop, doop. I don't need you coming in here. You're tired. You got, you know, you're, you're tired. Like, well, how are you going to be good to me and my company, what I want to do? And even like your own career and dreams. Like, I need you to go take care of yourself. And like, every baby's different. There's all these like nuances. Like, this baby doesn't sleep. And then this baby, you just need all eyes and just to like, your life and to adjust and like the biggest thing i know is that you're not sleeping there's no sleep so how could you possibly also come into work it doesn't make sense this whole it's garbage put people first yeah like so many people have like different approaches to it too which is really interesting because i'm lucky i have a partner that he you know does he's on paternity leave right now so he's doing nights but like some people you know they definitely like hire night nurses like, I, mm. this is going to sound ignorant, but when people were telling me night nurses, I thought something was wrong with the baby. I was like, oh, you have a night nurse that comes in to assist with the baby because something's wrong. And they're like, no, the night nurse is basically kind of a bougie thing where you have someone come in. So and you can sleep. Sleep. Yeah, I shouldn't even say bougie, but just, it's just like, you know, a nice thing to so, have. I'm not mad at it. You know what I mean? Like, so you can sleep. No. It takes, it literally takes a village. Like, if you, if you, and that's why I can, you know, uh, um, if you're fortunate enough to, like, at least either A, have like if you're in a financial place to be able to afford somebody or be like family and otherwise it's just like it's it's uh, it's incredibly impossible or a job that will actually fucking support you six weeks off oh my god something just came out of you like your body just went that you created and like it fed off of you like <laughs> yeah and it's in the whole lactation piece that's like a whole another yes you're also to get into. making food for something mm-hmm. a baby yeah it's crazy. So, um, yeah, I think it's important to kind of know what your rights are. Like a lot of um, HMOs or basically if you wherever you decide to give birth, um, they usually have a social worker or someone who could help you navigate your leave. So that's something I did not know at the time, but that mm-hmm. usually is a resource. Um, so I would definitely I wish I had a link or something to, to direct people to, but you can definitely Google it. There are people who can help you with paperwork and help you submit all the forms so you can get your I love it. Leah's literally coming in with new mom energy. She's like, y'all, y'all can Google it. I said to Leah, Leah's like, I was like, Leah, you just had a baby. Like you get anybody who has children, especially I think it's because Aneke, our, you know, co-creator of this podcast and like, you know, guess her and I did the show together for years and when she had a baby, I feel like I got like a front row seat to like everything. And I'm like, oh shit, this is intense. It is a lot. I have a new, I have even my colleagues are just like, oh, sorry, I didn't get that. I'm like, 
Sherry, you just had a baby. You, you, I go. I don't. You get to do whatever you want for the next year. Like you always have a pass. Like you, you are a mom. It's a different experience. So I don't know. Like I also let me Google that for you. You right. Like y'all can Google. We'll get you that. Google it. Um. Yeah. Definitely look into your rights. Um. And there's people who are out there who are advocates who want to get you that time so you can bond with your baby. It's important. Yes. That's awesome. Um. It's so important. And if you're no, nope, I'm sorry. I go ahead. Yes, you keep going. I'm just rivet. I feel like that's also one of the other key things. Is not only do you need to sleep, but it's that bonding period for those six months. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like, and if you are dealing mm. with postpartum that could be hard for you. So it's like sometimes some people mm-hmm. need more time to be able to bond with their baby. So I think, and I feel like that was the biggest lesson I've learned so far as a mom, because I was doing all my planning. I was like, okay, I'm going to have this baby shower. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And he's coming out this date. And that was my first lesson in parenthood. He's like, nope, I'm too much early. <laughs> he's like, here I am. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm not in control of this at oh, all. No, like, you can do all the planning, but it's just, you know, going with the flow. Hmm. Well, your baby's adorable, and I love this really great advice, and, and you're absolutely right. And we just need another thing is you're calling up your local state senator or congressperson. Really need to keep, turn, turn the books around on this uh, family leave. Live your best life. Therapy. I think that's the answer, but not conversion therapy. <laughs> like, Let's just be clear. <laughs> Yes, that is absolutely the theme of this show. Uh, therapy. And Google. Get into it, but not conversion therapy. That yeah. Is the and Google it yourself. Google it yourself. You gotta handle it. Google it yourself. Well, there it is. That is the show. And I want to thank all of our wonderful, fabulous listeners, because there's no show without you and all of our Maximum Fun members, and a big shout-out and thank you to our editor and producer, Sarah Brown, who's doing such amazing work behind the scenes, and production coordinator, Lori Fowler. They're the team. I love y'all. You're so great. And thank you all for listening to Minority Corner, because together, we're the majority. Love you, and have a great, wonderful, fabulous, safe week. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported